welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad podcast. I'm your host, Corey. So thankful you guys are here once again. I've uh, been real busy lately, so I did not have a wad last week. But now I'm back on it. We're going to do a regular episode today. But first, your episode again is once again brought to you by Dream State Meds. Please go to dreamstatemeds.com, use the promo code ANXIETYWAD, one word, and you will get a 10% discount on all of their products, mainly CBD related. Um, Go ahead and check that out. Let me know if you have any questions on CBD. I did an episode about it on uh, WAD episode 13, Um, so go to that one and check that out if uh, you have any questions on it. So what's been going on lately? We are in the midst of putting together a competition for our gym and I'm helping with uh, some of the video video editing for the workout releases, um, programming, whatnot. So it's been kind of taking up a little bit of time, not, not a whole lot. I mean, it's pretty, pretty easy, pretty fun. Um, it's just time consuming and, um, there's a little bit of time involved in editing, um, filming, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're doing our second annual ELC games as we, uh, approach August 3rd, it is. Um, I'm a member of CrossFit ELC and also uh, an L2 coach there. Um, great group of people, wonderful community. And this is the second year we're doing an in-house competition. And uh, we had a really good turnout last year. Uh, I think we had about 45 people compete, which is pretty good. Um, we're in a rural community, small, smaller market. And so uh, having that size of a group that uh, wanted to test their fitness was sure fun. I can't wait for this year. Um, I did a little bit of a... Uh, editing an iMovie and got some stuff put together, did a little bit of voiceover, um, did some somewhat legit looking videos. So it should be fun. Um, we've all tested out the workouts and they're pretty hard, um, especially the last one. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like everything in CrossFit. It can be hard if you make it hard and it can be easy if you make it easy on yourself. So um, it's definitely going to be a good mental test. It's uh, pretty exciting to see some of the people that uh, I've seen um, start day one that are actually at a point where they're going to compete and actually compete really well. And, uh, I'm really excited for some people to get their firsts. That's always the fun part of, of these events is, you know, whether it's their first, um, pull up or muscle up or PR, a weightlifting area, or even just run the entire legs of like whatever's programmed. Some of that stuff is just the most memorable part of these competitions. So I can't wait. Again, that's August 3rd. Um, if you're around the area and you haven't signed up, it's a perfect place to dip your toe into the uh, competition pool, uh, so to speak. So go ahead and give that a try. And let me know if you have any questions about signing up. So for today, our podcast is going to go over a few things, a variety of different things. I had a few questions on um, dating with anxiety how to make friends when you have anxiety, and then how to forgive yourself and accept yourself uh, if you've been through some some hard times and um, continue to run that cycle of uh, anxiety, calm, anxiety, calm. How do you accept that and forgive yourself? So first off, let's talk dating. Um, this, can, this can be pretty, pretty hard. And um, I say pretty, pretty for no particular reason, but one thing that I started doing way back when was um, online dating. And for me, like the initial meeting someone, asking them out, the pressure of that was the hardest part to get over. You know, once they got through that part and was like, okay, I have a date, I'm going to go meet someone, it got a little bit easier. It got a little bit um, 
less pressure and it was just self-inflicted pressure there's like either the person is going to like you for who you are or they're not so it's kind of kind of black and white and i think we put so much weight on that and we put so much um, emphasis on the acceptance part of dating but like when i met my wife lauren it was like pretty pretty early on i'm like yeah i could see myself being with her for a long time and that's that's what it should be it shouldn't be well yeah i could put up with their x y and z or well they have this but not this i mean be selfish kind of be like well i'm looking for this type of person and and don't settle for it until you get it and you know rather than putting expectations on yourself to perform just be like well i'm going to be myself because that's 100% of who you want to be when you're on a date. You don't want to falsify who you are because eventually that's going to come out and it might not pay off, which I've been there is eventually I realized who I was and I was like, Oh my God, I made a terrible mistake. And you know, I, I had to get out of that. But, um, I think the expectation going in of, okay, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to, open myself up and be a little vulnerable and they'll like me. Maybe, maybe not. And if they don't, it's not you per se. And that seems kind of counterintuitive of a way to think about it, but like they're looking for a specific person as well. You just may not be that for them, which means that they are going to eventually meet someone that is the right person for them. And so are you. So rather than worry so much of being like, well, I'm not that right person for them. So what? You're going to be the right person for someone. I mean, it's not it's not a death sentence to have a bad date. It's actually good practice for, you know, and if you're someone like me, like with the social anxiety, it was good practice. You know, it's I talk about practice all the time, and this is a good good way to practice uh, getting in there and, and getting uncomfortable and, and getting exposures um, if you're someone with social anxiety to um, get over that hurdle that kind of holds you back from, you know, enjoying some of those experiences in a social setting. Dating is pretty high pressure and it's self-inflicted, like I said. So if you do, um, try some online dating, you know, there's, there's, I, it's been a long time. So I don't even know if some of these I'm going to mention are still available. Um, but I use match.com and I think there was eHarmony. I didn't like eHarmony as much. Um, I liked match.com because I could kind of um, there it just, it worked a little bit better for what I was looking for. And I believe it was because I was able to put a little bit more information about myself out there and the searching was a little bit better. Like I said, it's, it's, you know, I've been with my wife for almost 13 years now, so it's, it's a long time. Um, but when my, my anxiety was really bad, that was a way for me to kind of get my foot in the door rather than having to approach someone you're already in an intimidating situation. If you are someone with social anxiety, you know, whether you're at a bar or wherever people hang out these days, I'm old and I have kids. so I don't hang out really anywhere other than the gym, but, but you know, it's that there's a lot of pressure there. And so it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it works around that much of a high pressure situation to start initiating some conversation uh, in like emails or chat or however they have it set up now, but then you're going to give yourself a foot in the door to have some things to talk about when you do eventually go on a date. You're going to know what their hobbies are. You're going to know what their likes, their dislikes, their type of music. You're going to get all that stuff in that profile. So you're going to have some talking points. And I think 
people with social anxiety worry so much about, okay, well, what am I going to talk about next? Am I going to say something stupid? Are they going to like what I say? Well, I'm just not going to say anything because what if it's stupid? And that, that inner di- that inner monologue that goes on is what holds us back. It's, it's the inner monologue that'll hold you back from wonderful experiences, no matter what it is, not necessarily just dating. Um, but like getting that information up front, it, it's I, my personal opinion and some people may just be shaking their head right now, but it's a good way for people with social anxiety is to get over that hurdle, that initial hurdle of um, the high pressure situation of asking someone out. So that's that's my advice for that one. Uh, please holler if you get any questions, anxietywad at gmail.com. Shoot me a, a DM at uh, any of the social medias for the show and uh, let me know if you wanted to have any more information on that. How to make friends when you have anxiety. I was terrible at this, but I did figure it out. So making friends for me has always been super easy, except when I got in my own head. It's very similar to the situation where you find yourself with dating, is that that inner monologue is what's gonna stop you and make you hesitate and make you question who you are and make you question all these things that you might say, well, what if they think this, what if they think that? And as I've said on previous shows, like really, like your opinion matters, there's really doesn't. Because the people you wanna be friends with aren't gonna make you feel a certain way other than accepted joyful, happy, and also challenged in a safe manner. And by challenge in a safe manner, they're going to call you on your BS. They're going to say, hey, man, you know, and I, I have wonderful friends now that have done this for me. And I'll, I'm forever, forever grateful. And, you know, there may be a time where I do talk about that on the show here, but um, they, they call you on your, your BS, but they support you. They lift you up. They don't burn you and leave you to fry. They, they say, hey, this is the way it is. Here's how what I think you should do to change. But on top of that, when you have anxiety, when you do stop yourself from experiencing and enjoying things because of what's going on in your brain, it's hard. I understand that for sure. And so my advice would be to figure out some safe areas that you can experience some social settings. Whatever that may be for you, um, depending upon where your anxiety is the worst, obviously you want to avoid those because you're going to have all this other stuff going on in your mind anyways on top of the social anxiety. So you want to find a safe space, find a space that it's very casual, it's very chill. And like I said, I'm, I'm so bad at this because I don't really hang out anywhere other than like the gym or like sporting events with my kids or, you know, social settings will be like a group of couples because I'm, I am married and, you know, I have kids, but, um, making connections with people is easier when you know yourself better. Um, when I struggled, it was hard because I was still searching for so much that I had no idea if someone was going to be a good friend or not. And so when I started plugging away on my personal development and getting to know myself and, and laying the foundation of who I really wanted to be and who I really was, I wasn't at a point where I think friends, I had a really good judgment of who my friends should be at that time. And a lot of the ones that were friends, I was friends with back when my anxiety was the worst are no longer around. Like I just, I'm not friends with them anymore. It just, I changed, they changed, life changed, um, experiences change. And I th- you know, there's, there are, there are times where you can have lifelong friends. 
And those are the ones that are willing to adapt and change and evolve at the same pace that you are. Well, I shouldn't say same pace, with the same willingness as you are. We're all gonna change at a different pace, but we all have the ability to change. The only difference is that some people are more willing to change than others. And I think a good friend is one that's gonna adapt and change throughout their life. They're gonna work on themselves. They're gonna evolve. And when you need them to, they're gonna lift you up. With honest, compassionate, empathy, and all those things that you look for in a friend that you need at times when you're struggling. It's super hard with anxiety. And, and you know, we get, we get so far in our head that we, we put up this huge roadblock and on the other side of it is friends. What I did is I got into trying new things and it took a long time just because, you know, I struggled with getting out of my apartment even. So it took me a little while to get out and try new things, but I tried, um, you know, um, what do they call it? Um, MLM, multi-level marketing. I had to knock my hand on the table to remember, but um, I tried a supplement company and I met some really great people in there and a lot of them um, that I was friends with the longest, I still talk to every once in a while. Um, then I tried uh, Muay Thai kickboxing. Uh, that was that was good at the time. I, I'm not really that. Just didn't really fit with who I am. You know, fighting. It just the martial arts aspect of it and the skill development was something I loved. Like I loved picking up that skill and learning the the discipline it takes to learn all the different skill sets. And it's very similar to a CrossFit type of thing. Like I love the discipline of learning how to clean and learning how to jerk and learning how to snatch and all the different movements. I love that kind of discipline, but like the fighter mentality, it just, it didn't really uh, hit home for me, but I met some great people. They helped me evolve. And I think each time that I've tried something like that, it's kind of leveled me up. What I didn't um, do well with making friends was after college, when I was trying out for professional football, I just like the, the type of people that I experienced, this isn't all of them either. This the type of people that I was involved in was where they were very self-centered and, and they had to be because they were trying to make the NFL. They were trying to um, get signed to a team. They were trying the, their best to um, move from an unsigned NFL free agent to um, a roster spot. And so it was very self-serving. Um, you know, I, we had, I had a couple of people that I was really close to for a while. Um, we were all about the same age. We we're all single. And it was at a point where we were, we were just having fun, really. Like we were out in Modesto, California, kicking footballs, going out, um, you know, having drinks and having fun and just being dumb. And we'd go train, we'd go lift, we'd go to the hot tub, we'd go to you know, the ice bath, and then we'd go out at night. <clears throat> I don't talk to any of them anymore, but at that point in my life, it was that was my friend set. Um, that was prior to my anxiety. And so when that happened, it was kind of radio silence. When the, when the anxiety kicked in was right after I moved back from Modesto, California. And so when I came home, I, it, would do, it would take me everything to get to the rec center. Um, but then I would go work out, and then I had a routine where I would swim a little bit, and I would go to the hot tub and then the sauna. And in that space, I would, you know, it was a good solid month where I hardly talked to anybody. But eventually, like, people would just ask me, like, you know, where are you from? Where do you work? Where, you know, and I just would start these small conversations, you know, all the while having this freak out in my mind, like of, well, you know, is my job good enough? 
Like, is, does that mean something to this person? What do they want from me? And all these different questions I had in my head of what if I say something stupid? Well, what if they judge me? I'm, you know, what if they like me? What if they don't like me? Et cetera, et cetera. And so I think the, the part of, you know, trying these different things is it doesn't matter where you try it as long as it's safe to you. And as long as you can calm that inner monologue down enough to open yourself up and be vulnerable and be yourself. It's hard, but it's completely doable. So I hope that helps. Um, that's kind of my spiel on making friends. I, I have real easy time now making friends just because I know myself well enough just to be myself wherever I go. It's a little much for some people, <laughs> which I understand that. And, you know, it's, I, I don't judge people for being like, well, you're just, you know, if I'm not for them, it, it's perfectly fine. It doesn't say anything about me. It's more about, you know, what they can, they can handle in a day or whatever, but, um, be authentically yourself and, and be willing to be vulnerable in that authenticity. And finally, um, the last question here was how do you forgive or accept yourself? And there's not really much context for that question, so I'll give a few examples. For me, I had a really hard time after I moved back um, from California, moving on from being the quote-unquote athlete or the professional athlete and, and chasing that. And so I struggled with beating myself up and, and, and saying that I was to blame for that situation. And it was really just a... a, a a crazy little onset of costochondritis that, you know, it mimicked a heart attack, which, you know, ended up being the epitus for my, is it epitus or Oedipus? I don't know. One of those things <laughs> for my anxiety to start. And, um, I, I, who knows what caused it. And I, I spent so long you know, being like, well, if you would have done this, if you would have ate this way, if you want to drink this night, if you would have, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, just being such a mean person to myself, instead of saying, you know what, you went out there and tried your hardest. You said since you were a kid that you wanted to at least try out for the NFL and you did that. Check that box. Instead of judging every single aspect of what you did and having these terrible metrics of what the success was of that situation. So I think forgiving myself was finally when I realized that, okay, those metrics aren't working for me. I need to revise those and look at the positive aspects of those things. What did you learn? Okay. Well, you learned that you have the capacity to pick up a skill and completely change it three or four times and relearn it. That lesson came into effect when I had, I've had 13 orthopedic surgeries in my life. So I've had to relearn how to walk. I've had to relearn how to use my hand with neurological symptoms. I've had to relearn a lot of things, but I would have had a little bit of a harder time not do, you know, not being able to do that if I wouldn't have attempted this NFL thing. I, I changed my, the way I punted like four times in the midst of trying to be a professional athlete. You know, it's like a golfer switching his golf swing, you know, in the middle of a season. So you know, that, that was one part is, is not making it. But now like everybody asks me, like, have you ever thought about trying out? And like, no, like I have no regrets with that part of my life. You know, I, I, the only regret I have is that I beat myself up so much about it. You know, I was a bit of a perfectionist and I always have been with, with competition. 
until about four years ago when I started to realize that the metric in competition is my effort. Am I giving my best effort? So sometimes what we need to do is refocus and rethink what are we measuring this aspect of our life? And it goes hand in hand with the personal development. You know, it's, it gets so redundant for me saying it, but it, it, it transfers into so many different parts of your life that once you know yourself, you can know, okay, I need to tweak this because this isn't sitting right with me. I need to give a little bit more effort here because I'm feeling a little unsatisfied with how I'm doing in this area. And I actually just like did this this morning with myself that I'm recording this is that I had done the whole 30 for like two months and I had lost about 12 pounds. I think it was. And in the last two weeks, I put five pounds back on and I was starting to beat myself up about that, which is just dumb. So, you know, in two months, I left, lost seven pounds, which is pretty good, right? Like I've, I've struggled to lose weight for years, you know, from so many years of pain medication and years of like stomach issues from that pain medication and et cetera, et cetera. I'm just a big dude in general. And I didn't really even weigh myself until I was done with those two months. I just measured myself to make sure I was trending in the right direction. So the last month here I've had... (laughs) I went on a little bit of an, a weekend bender, which is like just halo top and popcorn. And you know, that it's like a little, you poke a little hole and everything starts to leak and eventually like your floors are full of water. Well, it's really not that bad. Like I'm still trending in the right direction. I'm still down about 10 pounds overall. And so I was like, well, I mean, you did it when you actually gave hundred percent effort, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't like have a conversation with myself, but it's like, I write it down. I'm like, did you give hundred percent effort the first time? I'm like, yes. Are you doing that now? No. All right, let's get back to hundred percent effort period. And so I can let that part go by changing how I measure what I'm doing. Now let's say you make a mistake, which we've all made those. I, I've made those in my life as well. And they kind of hang with you. And the reason being is that when you make a mistake, I think that we, as people with anxiety, it's just one less area that we can control because like our, the the illusion of control can drive us crazy, especially if you have anxiety, like we want to control what's going to happen so we can know how to react to it. Well, when I've screwed up, that illusion of control goes out the door and it's just chaos. And so I'm trying to think about like a specific one that I can get in the right mindset to explain this to you, but making a mistake happens. How you adapt and evolve from that mistake speaks more volume than the actual mistake. Like, what are you learning from it? What are you growing from it? What are you going to do differently? What are, what's going to, what's going to come that's going to benefit you from this event how is it going to change your future or your today you know our future is designed by what we do today it's never designed by what we do in our past nothing that i have ever done athletically is benefiting me right now but what i do with each next moment each next decision i make that benefits me now i have experience to draw on to make those decisions that's how it benefits me but realistically like any of the things that I've done in my past, they're only going to benefit me if I've learned from them, adapted and evolved. 
So mistakes are, are meant to teach you something if you allow them to. If you can allow yourself to remove the sting of the pain that is caused by a mistake, they're always going to teach you something. I'll try to, th- like, I'm going to pause this and try to think of a specific example that I can go over that may be a little scary, <laughs> if you will, but I'll, I'll try to figure out a way to explain it. Hang tight. All right, I got one. So that probably didn't seem like any time at all for you guys, but uh, so um, this is just a real easy one is drinking on pain medication. Um, we had a, uh, a Christmas party, I believe, at our one of my previous uh, gyms that I was at and I was on pain medication for um, I think it was my neck still and I was drinking on pain medication I knew that this was a bad idea and I just I shouldn't have been doing it and so um, on our way home my wife it was like snowing out kind of lightly and my wife and I decided to race which were competitive anyways like she's the only one I have to beat at the CrossFit gym that's the only one I care about beating so anyways we're running she turned really sharp and I kind of tried to cut across like this little planter, but I didn't know it was concrete. And the other thing I didn't know is that there was like a little four inch lip. And so when I went to jump over the bench, I hit my foot on that and I splatted on the, on the concrete and hit my, hit my cheek and my eyebrow and just kind of like road rash my cheek and I opened up my eyebrow. And so we had to go to the ER. Well, it was very apparent to the, the ER doctor that I had been drinking and um, I was extremely embarrassed and I was pretty pissed off at myself because I knew better and it's like this is what you get this is what you get for being stupid and that was the first time I was like nope we're not going to do that again we're not going to have that conversation this is a mistake yeah what are we going to learn from it and so like the next morning I woke up and I'm like I'm going to quit drinking for a while until I'm done with pain medication and I did it. And, um, the one thing that it taught me though, is that no matter how, how much we learn from certain situations, there is a possibility to make a mistake. This was not the first time that that had happened drinking on pain meds. I've been on on and off them for, you know, decades, but I, you know, I, I have done things that I've forgotten. It's not nothing major. I'm, I haven't been in major trouble in my life, but like I should know better. And so it's like, okay, what can we learn from this situation? Well, don't drink with pain meds. seems like a simple one, but you have to get past that conversation and put down the boxing gloves. You have to put down that I'm going to beat myself up, which it's not never going to help you to do that. You already know that you've made a mistake. Like you're human. You know mistakes when you see them. But let's try to think about what happens in those situations if you immediately start cheering yourself on. Like, okay, we're going to learn. This This seems cheesy, and I know that because I used to be the person to be like, no one talks like that. Well, I'm here to tell you that people do talk like this. Okay, what are we going to learn from this? What the, What is this trying to teach you? Okay, this is this is going to be good at some point. What are the let's let's note the good aspects right now. So. You know, the good aspects from wiping out is I didn't break anything. I got stitches and it healed like within two weeks, right? I didn't sprain my ankle. I didn't blow up my knee. I didn't pop a hip. This is, I think this was after I had um, hip replacement, but my hip joint stayed intact, right? I had a sober driver. I wasn't driving. 
you know, all those things. You got to look at the positive side of things. Yeah, I wiped out and smacked my face on the concrete and I could have got a concussion, could have, should have, would have. But I was safe. It gave me time to read more, gave me time to learn more, gave me time to, like, it saved money. Like, I wasn't buying beer. <laughs> you know? There's just numerous things that you can, if you reframe your thinking, you can forgive yourself. Everybody makes mistakes, right? So let's uh, let's be nice to my friend, whoever you are that is listening. You're all my friends, but just be, put the boxing gloves down. Quit beating yourself up. It's not going to benefit you at all to beat yourself up. And in fact, it's going to make things worse. I guarantee you it's going to make things worse if you keep beating yourself up. So let's try something else. Be your biggest cheerleader. Find the positives in any mistake and move on from them, evolve, adapt, and rise up. And again, episode is brought to you by Dream State Meds, dreamstatemeds.com. Use the promo code ANXIETYWAD for a 10% discount on all of their CBD products. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Have yourself a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. Keep coming back, guys. We're going to figure this out, I promise. See you.